make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. We have Bills beat reporter Matt Perino from NewYorkUpstate.com to discuss free agency, uh, the Bills' positional needs, Josh Allen, Brian Dable, how close this team is to being a Super Bowl contender, and a ton more. Uh, There's a lot to discuss, so let's get right into it. He is the Bills beat reporter for NewYorkUpstate.com and gives you Bills news and thoughts across all digital platforms all the time, and he's a fellow UB alum. I'd like to welcome Matt Perino to the podcast. Matt, it's great to finally talk to you in person. How are you? I'm great, Nate. Thanks so much for having me on. I love uh, to talk Bills because that's what I do, uh, 365 uh, all year long, and uh, we're getting cranked up here for the offseason, so plenty to pontificate about as we move toward the very important offseason where you know there's money to be spent but there's there's also draft capital and you know this this roster could be reshaped pretty significantly here in in about three or four months so it's it's a fun time for bills fans beautiful well that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on to discuss free agency and potentially the draft but first i want to get your thoughts on the 2019 season so in general you know the bills finished 10 and 6 they made the playoffs for the second time in three years did they accomplish what you thought they would going into the season, or do you feel like they um, underwhelmed based on their schedule? You know, I, um, going into the season, my, my big goal for the bills as a, as a franchise was to make the playoffs any way they can do that. I felt like that would be a success because you would learn a little bit about Josh Allen in, in that kind of season. And then be able to evaluate him in a playoff game and not only be able to evaluate him, but also have him gain the experience. Like, you know, there were moments in that game against Houston where Josh Allen tripped a bit. And, and those are the kind of moments that I feel like, you know, rookie quarterbacks, second year quarterbacks, even third year quarterbacks in some scenarios, they need to go through those moments. And so if that, all of those things were going to happen and, and, and you saw significant improvement in the offense and, and Josh Allen in, in year two, I think that, that was going to be a key. And I think we saw that and you got to, it can't all be, in my opinion, it can't all just be about the, the numbers and the, um, where they rank offensively. I think that that's a piece of it. And I think that to be a bottom third offense still, uh, in year two with Brian Dable and year three with Sean McDermott, that's a, a problem. But I think that we saw in, across the offensive landscape for the bills improvement in significant areas i mean with josh allen just just take him for example the development of that short intermediate game where that was supposed to be where he was going to struggle consistently over the course of his career we saw him progress leaps and bounds in 2019 and not only in terms of what he can do in that area of the field but also what he can do from a completion percentage perspective. I mean, he had 36 drops. Um, the Bills did as a, as a uh, as pass catchers this year. I think that's one of the top marks in the league, if not the top mark. And he still finished six points better completion percentage from his rookie year to year two. I think that that Dallas game was a game that 
really just jumped off the page at me on the road, all eyes on him. And he goes out and puts the best performance of his career together. And, and that's what you want to see in year two. There's going to be bumps along the road. Uh, but you look at the rest of the offense and, and John Brown comes in first year and has the 14th best receiving season in Buffalo Bills history. And I don't even really think he's a number one receiver. I think that you need to bring in a number one and let John Brown be play that role that I think that he's built to play. And that is an elite number two, kind of like what he was in Arizona with Larry Fitzgerald. Cole Beasley had a career year. Devin Singletary came onto the uh, scene and really wowed people with what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. And then this offensive line, which I still think needs to get better, but will significantly improve from 2018 to 2019. Bobby Johnson is a real find uh, as an assistant coach uh, over there on the offensive line. He's really integral in what they try to do, not only um, you know in pass protection, but the run game. And his impact, uh, I think, can't be overstated. Uh, I think that there's just a lot of really, really good pieces not only players, but, but, but coaches. And, you know, you look across the board, new wide receivers coach, Chad Hall, getting um, promoted. I thought the wide receiver crew did a really nice job. Even Duke Williams, uh, an undrafted, uh, or not undrafted, but a, a guy that, you know, you go and get from the CFL, you bring him on board, and he comes in and gives you significant contributions in the opportunities that he was given. Um, I think that that says a lot about uh, the coaching staff and what they were able to do in terms of putting people around Brian Dable and, you know, in a larger sense around Josh Allen. And and so it's onward. It's about building um, this whole thing for the future. But I think what we saw in year two gives you enough um, hope as a Bills fan that you have to be so excited, even with a tough schedule looming in 2020. So you mentioned a, a bunch of different topics there. Um, let's stick with Josh Allen for a second. Um, you, you noted how he made a lot of improvements from year one to year two, uh, especially in, in accuracy in the intermediate areas of the game. Um, what improvements do you think he, ne- he needs to make in year three? Is it a specific thing or specific few things like, for example, the deep ball? Or is it more of just growing in general? He just needs to continue to, to improve as a quarterback. You know, I think that he's the kind of player, because of where he comes from, that it's going to take, I think, a few years, you know, the first two included, for him to really feel feel comfortable at this level. He's got so much raw talent and, you know, the, the physical characteristics, you know, the way that he's able to fit balls into windows, uh, the big arm downfield, obviously, we, we could talk about the deep ball, but he played at such an inferior level of competition at at Wyoming that everything that he sees, you know, in his 27 starts here, you know, in the first two seasons has been a new experience for him. And so I think what we're going to see next year is a much more comfortable and confident player. Uh, We saw that jump from year one to year two in that area in terms of confidence and, you know, commanding the huddle and commanding the offense. But now I think that he can fine tune some things. I think he's got to work on his footwork. Uh, one of the big complaints about Josh is that a lot of times his feet are a mess when he when he goes to throw the ball in the pocket. That's got to be uh, looked at. The deep ball, the um, he has how the best way to put it. I think that he struggles with anticipation at times and, and, and at all levels, and I think that that's where he's really struggling with the deep ball. Is that you know whether it be anticipating the rush or anticipating his receiver's route. There's times that 
um, he rushes through it. And you saw in the, I believe it was the Dallas game, where he did hit a couple of deep balls. And, and then on to, I remember the New England game, when he threw that one to John Brown, uh, who beat Stefan Gilmore. Those are the kind of plays where I almost felt like he didn't have enough time to think about it. it he just went off of raw instinct. And that's when he made some of his best plays this season. And I, and I want to see more of that next year. I go back to his rookie year and that Jacksonville play to Robert Foster when he got absolutely blown up. Uh, when pr the protection broke, broke down, he stood in the pocket, took the hit and delivered a dime to Robert Foster for a touchdown. Those are the kind of plays where it's just like he didn't have to think. Well, now I think that what you want to see is him take the next step where he has to think about the throw a little bit more and he could still come through and make the throw. Because I think that's what you saw you know, it, you see a lot of times with Patrick Mahomes, uh, a guy that, you know, it, it's a tough bar to, to, to use as a comparison tool because Patrick Mahomes is, you know, might be unlike anything we've ever seen before. But I think that Josh Allen, while I don't want to put that kind of um, pressure on him, like if I'm a Bills fan, I don't want to give him that, um, that barometer to measure up to, but I think that he can be um, a, a really, really good quarterback in this league. And I think that he's just 23 years old and he's just still uh, needs more um, uh, talent around him for as good as this bills team was. You, you talked about that uh, about the super bowl. You watch that Kansas city offense. I went through position for position and I'm pretty sure that every single Kansas city offensive player from the offensive lineman to the tight end, the receivers to the running back are better than the Bills players on their roster. And the only thing I might say is maybe Cole Beasley in the slot, but they use Tyree Kill a lot in the slot as well. So I feel like Patrick Mahomes is just working with just a much better collection of talent. So now that's on Brandon Bean looking forward to this 2020 offseason and beyond. He needs to put pieces around Josh Allen, and they know that. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, they said after the season, Sean McDermott said, we need to add more pieces around Josh that he can trust. And I think that what we saw in the Houston game were some some of these playmakers, some of these weapons put around him that, you know, lost some trust. I mean, you look at John Brown, as good of a season as he had, he had a couple key gaffes in that game. The drop of the two-yard line that would have set up first and goal and probably would have put the game away uh, with this Bills team that really was, was really good in the red zone all season. Uh, and then the other play, uh, I think it was the fourth quarter where, where he was out of bounds on the sideline. I, you watch the all-22 angle of that, and you just – kind of question what is going on here. Duke Williams dropping a touchdown pass in the end zone. Listen, he made some bad plays in that game. Don't get me wrong. But I think he made enough plays and a, and plays that um, played well enough to win that game. And so I think Josh Allen's going to be just fine. I just think it's on the organization to now give him more pieces. They need another offensive lineman, maybe two. They, need, they probably need another tight end. I really like the Greg Olson idea. We can talk about that later as well. Um, they got to get another running back. I don't know if that's going to be in the draft or through free agency, but put more talent around Josh Allen. And I think that you'll see the production uh, start to uh, increase and um, just this offense be a little bit more fluent and a little bit more um, potent.
So there, there was a lot of things that you just covered there. And I appreciate that because, um, you know, you mentioned weapons, you mentioned, mentioned upgrading the offensive line and, you know, one of the most controversial members of the bills coaching staff and organization in general, this past season was Brian Dable. Now you mentioned earlier about, him, you know, the bills having a bottom third offense. And it sounds like a lot of that you feel goes on to talent and, you know, having a second year quarterback and a lot of the things that go along with that learning process. I mean, you know, I look at certain things like, uh, for example, um, Cody Ford, which I'd like to talk about. Cody, Cody Ford being a right tackle when maybe he should have been a guard. Um, using Frank Gore more than maybe they should have, as opposed to Devin Singletary, you know, either in between the tackles or in the passing game. Um, there are some gaffes, I think, that come coaching-wise. Do you think that that's something... That first of all, I don't know if that's Sean McDermott with personnel decisions by using you know Cody Ford instead of Ty Nsecki. Um, So do you think that's a Sean McDermott or Coach Dable decision? And if it is if it is Coach Dable, what do you hope to see from this next year to make you think okay, this is really going in the right direction because they have had a bottom third offense. Is it just a matter of being in the top half of the league, or I mean, what's what's a barometer of success for you? Yeah, I definitely think that you want to see them jump into the top 15 in terms of offenses. They went and they drafted Josh Allen seventh overall at the highest that this franchise has ever taken a quarterback. So you, the expectation should be that you could have an offense led by your franchise quarterback and Josh Allen that could be in the top 15. Now, a couple things go into it. I think that even though there was some familiarity between Brian and Sean when they, when they got together here, they, they were together at a stop. Uh, years ago, I can't remember where it was now, but whatever it was, they needed this time to kind of mesh and figure out um, who each other is as a coach. And I, and we asked John, uh, Sean McDermott at the end of the season, like what goes into personal decisions, who decides on, on Frank Gore. And he kind of put it on himself, but that there's a dialogue that goes into everything. I think what they have to figure out is they have to take the entire season figure out what went well, what didn't, you know, kudos to the coaching staff, to Brian and to Sean, that they figured out halfway through the season that he needed to go up into the booth and they made that adjustment. And I thought the offense was better down the stretch because of it. Those are things that, you know, past regimes, past coaching staffs, I feel like you didn't see that kind of willingness to cor for correction. And that's one thing I'll give credit to Sean McDermott. He is very open to being critiqued himself and also critiquing his coaching staff. And so when they figure out what they need to get better at, it seems at least through three seasons that they try to do a good job of, of, of doing their due diligence and working together to, to remedy things. I thought Sean was a much better in-game manager in year three. And that's something that, listen, I know that people want immediate results, but I do understand that, you know, if you've never been a head coach in the NFL before, there's no replacement for experience. And so this whole process of these three years to get to playoff berths with this franchise, this organization, after the two decades of absolute uh, just bungled uh, process year after year after year, I think that speaks to what they're building here. And I think that if, if Brian Dable wasn't the guy, they wouldn't waste any time with it. I think that he, he needs more talent, just like Josh Allen needs more talent. I think at times, uh, He's got to learn from his mistakes. I mean, you go and you lean on a guy like Frank Gore in a few games this year, and, and, and that decision is questioned. Well, a guy like Frank Gore is probably not going to be on the roster next year because the roster is going to be built a little bit more 
dynamically and, and, and you know, probably going to go younger. Um, I think that last year was a learning season for a lot of things. For a rookie running back to have a guy like Frank Gore in the room, I, th- I felt like that meant something to them. On game day, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit? You're going to you're going to um, inactivate Frank Gore and activate T.J. Yeldon. What is really, you know, I, I know that he can make some plays in the passing game, but Devin Singletary is your guy, and, and they did give him the bulk of the the work. So I understand a lot of the things that they were trying to accomplish. The more I've gone back and looked at the season as a whole and what they said that they were going into the season to try to accomplish, and you know, this we could be having a much different conversation. If Cody Ford isn't called for that uh, penalty, if uh, Josh Allen gets the penalty where he ra- ran it and a couple guys missed the block and a helmet-to-helmet uh, earth-shattering hit from the linebacker, you know, all these little things, just one or two of those things happen differently. We could be talking about the Bills in Kansas City for the biggest, another one of the biggest games in uh, of this century. So, you know, I, I think it's a valid point. I think that uh, to, to question, you know, is, is Brian Dable the guy uh, to run the the offense? But I think that we won't really have that answer until after this next season when we get to see, you know, Grant. I mean, I'm basing that off of the fact that I think they're going to go out and, and get reinforcements, uh, not only on the, you know, at receiver and tight end, but like I said, on the, on the offensive line. And with that, then we can really evaluate him. But for Josh Allen, how cool is it that this guy's going to get, this kid's going to get three years with the same coaching staff, basically? Um, two years with Ken Dorsey, but three years with the man that counts and, and Brian Dable. And, and I, from everybody I've talked to in the NFL and, you know, around the league, you know, that continuity, it, it's important because when, when you look at some of the quarterbacks that have had to go through coordinator after coordinator, guys like Jameis Winston and, and Marcus Mariota. You know Ryan Tannehill back in Miami. It, it's it it's a struggle to find to have to change and grasp new offense after new offense and new pieces and new coaches. So there's a lot of continuity. There's a there's a set plan. I would imagine that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott set out for Josh this offseason in line with what Brian Dable wants to do. And next year we're really going to be able to sink our, sink our teeth into that schedule that you know, uh, run through a, a pretty tough schedule at that and really be able to evaluate uh, where they're at. You know, I really like the point you brought up about uh, Brian Dable gelling and meshing with Sean McDermott. I think we kind of forget that as fans that coaches sometimes need time to gel. You always think about the quarterback, the offensive lineman, the receivers, you know, all gelling with each other, all getting on the same page. Sometimes you forget that coaches also need to do that. So appreciate you bringing that up. And I think that's something that we kind of forget as fans. You... Well, to be, that's a good point because like me, I, I, this is my second year on the beat covering the team before this, I was never in an NFL locker room. I was just a, a, a Bills fan for, for years and years and years growing up in this, in Buffalo. I went and obviously I was covering MMA for a while. So I had never really, I covered college football at UB, but it's nothing like what the NFL world is like. You really get to see the dynamic of all this. And you're totally right. I, even as a professional journalist, had no idea like what it really takes to, to run a successful operation. You look at what happened in Cleveland. You know, if you don't have the right people in place at the top, from the head coach to the coordinators to the position coaches, you're really not going to be able to execute the plan that you, you set out because you don't have the r- right leadership. In football, 
you have so many moving parts, 11 guys in the field at, at one time. You, you need that continuity. You need that, um, you know, that level of excellence in the coaching staff. And I think another, another really nice uh, get is uh, Eric Washington, who was the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator. He's now going to be a defensive line coach, which means you're adding just so many, so many years of experience into your defensive line room. I mean, or your defensive room as a whole. I mean, just they, they, he's really good at done a really nice job, Sean McDermott, at building this this uh, staff. And now on the offensive side of things, we'll really get a chance to see how good it is this year. Okay, great. So you mentioned in a tweet this past week that you said you'd like to see Cody Ford move to guard as opposed to right tackle. Um, what are the odds that you think that actually happens in year two? I don't know. I, I don't think that it will just because I really do think that they believe he's a, he's a tackle. I remember when they drafted him and, and Brandon Bean was uh, pretty adamant uh, at the press conference the next day that the team saw him as a right tackle. They do like his position flexibility and they, and they tried him out there. But even through injury this year, you never saw him pop back inside during the regular season. And so I think that they're really committed uh, to probably giving him a full off season where he can prepare um, really get an NFL caliber offseason where he can work on his body, work on um, his technique and his fundamentals all throughout the offseason, not have to spend so much time on the draft process, which, by the way, another thing that I've learned since I started covering the, the beat, I mean, it's a real tough ask for these kids to go through this whole three- or four-month process of the draft and and then ask them to hit the ground running in minicamp. It's just not enough time to prepare for what an NFL playbook and what an NFL training camp is going to throw you. And, and Cody and Ed Oliver even told me this year, and it, it hits you hard over the head. I mean, you, you don't really understand what you're getting into until you start the process. And, and it takes some guys longer to figure it out. So I think Cody Ford showed enough this year to where you can, you can give him another season. And if he does pop as a right tackle, I mean, that's huge because he's got the size, the physicality, He's a phenomenal run blocker. Um, I think that that if you if he can be the answer there, you know, I just think that that's great for you. But you do have to figure out, all right, what's our backup plan if that's not working out? Is it Ty and Saki? Can you rely on his health? Which has been really, you take that one injury out of it, and he was all, all the way back to the start of preseason. He was dealing with little na- nagging injuries. I, I would look at him in the locker room after after every game, preseason game, regular season game. And it looked like he just went through a war. And so he's going to be 35 years old this season. So can, can you rely on him to be your swing tackle? I know they like the Adrian Waddle, uh, who who they were who was lost from to a quadriceps injury before the season even started. And so how is he coming off of that injury? Do you want to get him back in the mix? There's a lot of free agent options. I I, I made my case for Anthony Costanzo, which would really throw a monkey wrench into this whole operation because he's a left tackle. And that would mean that Deion Dawkins would probably be, mo- be moved. And what does that say? What, what's his openness to, to that move? Um, but he, Anthony Costanzo is one of the best left tackles in this league. And if you can add that kind of caliber player to your locker room, uh, to your offensive line in front of your franchise quarterback, who, oh, by the way, has a history with Bobby Johnson, Costanzo's best season came in 2018 when Bobby Johnson was the assistant O-line coach there. And so, you know, I, I just think that it, you need to add 
good elite players, as many of those players as you as you can. I don't think you can worry about who's going to play where and what's it going to mean. I think you figure that out when you get to camp, and that's what Sean McDermott's job, Brian Dable's job, and Leslie Frazier's job. Um, there's plenty of options on the market, uh, and and this to this regime's credit, they value position flexibility because they want everybody that ends up on their 53-man roster to have earned their position. So it'll be fun, I think, if they can add a couple of these names to see these battles play out in training camp. Yeah, that sounds really exciting as a Bills fan to add that kind of competition at at all different levels in all different positions. And um, actually, before we segue right into free agency, um, you you just you had a very interesting article after the Super Bowl comparing the Bills to the 49ers. And we talked about that exact parallel on our Super Bowl recap episode, but you went into much more depth on the topic. So in your opinion, how close are the Bills to the 49ers right now? I mean, I think really the only thing that was different between what the Bills and the 49ers as a team, I don't want to sit here and say the Bills are as good as the 49ers. I think that's kind of an arrogant uh, way to look at it. (laughs) But I think that, you know, you take Nick Bosa out of the situation and they're very, very similar teams. I thought that, you know, if you, if you were asking me who I'd take right now between Josh Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo, I like the playmaking ability of Josh Allen. And I think that he proved that he is able to take care of the football much better. You still like to see less fumbles, but you're getting more plays with what he does as a runner. You kind of have to eat that a little bit. Even you look at Patrick Mahomes in that game. He threw two interceptions, still found a way to win. And I feel like Josh Allen has shown that even when he has made mistakes in the past, he's able to kind of make up for it the way that he plays in the fourth quarter. All the fourth quarter comebacks, six in his 27 starts. That's impressive stuff to me. Um, on the defensive side, two really kind of similar defenses. And I thought that when the Bills were playing their best this season, it's when that defensive line got pressure. And I think that if you're looking into 2020, you go back to that Dallas game, and the way that Ed Oliver really popped against at the time was the number one quarterback in the NFL in Dak Prescott statistically and the number one ranked passing attack in the NFL, and the Bills just absolutely dominated them. They they bend they bended, but they didn't break. And that's what I think San Francisco does a good job. They rely on that four-man front to get pressure, and then they, they use their speed linebackers to really uh, attack side to side, and then the secondary led by Richard Sherman. Well, I think the Bills have a better version of that in Tredavious White. So I think all the pieces are in place. We are going to see, in my opinion, a significant jump from not only Ed Oliver, but Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds might be end up being one of the top five linebackers in the NFL next year. I mean, I, that's a lot of expectation to place on the kid, but how good was he, you know, in big stretches in year two um, after, you know, a complete position switch from going from college to the pros? And he was really good. I mean, he was a pro bowl. I know it was an alternate, but it still counts. And, uh, you know, I still think that they have tons of talent on that defense, and they're only going to add uh, with all of the draft picks that they have. There's a lot of uh, interesting, you're, you're looking at some of these mock drafts out there, potential additions, whether it be uh, a cornerback or a uh, an edge rusher with that 22nd overall pick, uh, some interesting options. So I think that they're, you asked about the 49ers, I think that this is a, a, a team that could be a top five running team in the league if they can add another piece uh, to complement Devin Singletary. I know that, you know, the, the, the fan base is kind of split down the middle in terms of what, what they want. Is it a, a power back to go with 
Devin Singletary, or is it like a speed back? I'm more on the side of a speed back just because I think that that home run hitter is something that to add to this offense would would just take a lot of pressure off of Josh Allen in the passing game. Uh, I think a guy like that would be cool to target would be uh, Kenyon Drake from Arizona. I think that he really played well in his time in Arizona after just, I think he had as many touchdowns in eight games with Arizona as he had in, in three and a half with Miami, which, wow, it's pretty impressive. Um, but I think they're right there. I think they're close. I think a couple things, you know, uh, happened in that Houston game. They go on the road. They play a tough game against Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes against this this Bills defense would have been a fun matchup. And then all of a sudden, you're potentially talking about an AFC title game against the Tennessee Titans in Orchard Park. So I think that they're right there. I, I just think that this is a critical offseason. Like, I'm not, that's not breaking news. That's not a huge headline. Everybody knows it. You have to bring in some talent. And I know Brandon Bean said he's not going to splurge in free agency and they want to build through the draft, but they're, they're getting, they're much closer now. If you look at the, at the landscape of the AFC, than I think anybody would have anticipated going into this 2019 season. So you have to do your part now. You, you, you got the quarterback, you, you, you got a lot of um, uh, organizational pieces. Now you got to, you know, bring in, you know, make that final surge and bring in the talent that, that you need, uh, especially on offense and see what, see what, see where you, where you're at in 2020. The schedule is funny. I, I thought Sal Capaccio put out a good tweet today about it. You can't, you can't anticipate a, a schedule and its difficulty in, in January and February because we haven't seen any of the moves that these teams make in the offseason. You know, Seattle's a good team. Uh, the Rams are a good team. They <clears throat> both kind of underperformed last year, and they both have to come from the West Coast to the East Coast, and they have to play the Bills in Orchard Park, uh, which is a tough t- place to play. And we don't know what month that's going to take place. So there's all these little caveats that you can that that, that might uh, present itself after we figure out what the actual final schedule is. So yeah, is it a tougher slate? Probably, uh, but we'll know more about that when when the dust settles after the off season and we can kind of get a look at when these games are going to take place. But one thing that is true: the mileage the Bills have to travel next season is is considerable after uh, an advantageous schedule from that perspective in 2019. Well, so there's a lot of exciting things happening, you know, in the offseason and free agency. Now, you mentioned, you know, the Super Bowl team like the 49ers, and some would argue that, you know, the Bills have a lot of solid players on cheap deals, like like you mentioned, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you know, I'd also throw in like Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, Trey White. You know, they're they're going to get paid soon or become potential free agents. I mean, how long is that window open for the Bills to become that Super Bowl team? Or is it a matter of Brandon Bean and, and the front office will do a good job no matter what? So we'll always have, you know, a siphon in of, of, of added young talent through the draft, which we're not used to as Bills fans. I think the key is, um, like you said, how they draft. And the good thing is that Brandon Bean's core philosophy is that you build championship teams through the draft. And if you can, can keep can keep funneling in talent, then you can afford to kind of let some guys go. I mean, they did it in Carolina. Uh, I remember uh, with Josh Norman, they did a good job of drafting and they found uh, replacements. And, and, and sometimes as good as guys, you know, fit in your system and, uh, you know, produce on the field, sometimes they price themselves out. I think they have uh, a situation like that that's already popped up 
in year three here. They went out there and they found a really, really nice piece on their defensive line in Jordan Phillips. And he played well. He had nine and a half sacks this year, career year. They got him off the waiver wire from the Miami Dolphins. What a find. What a move by Brandon Bean. Well, he played so well that I think that he probably priced himself out of Buffalo if he's going to command like like big time dollars. I mean, I, and I'm even talking eight to ten million. I think that's too much to pay for what's going to end up being in 2020. Your backup three technique defensive tackle Ed Oliver is going to be your starter. You drafted him ninth overall. You can't pay that kind of money, in my opinion, with all these other deals that are going to start to creep up and the needs on the offensive side of the ball to a backup three tech. When I think that they can go out and try to find a similar type of player. They've done a good job. Their scouting department is absolutely top-notch. I mean, people rave about that around the league. Not only their college scouts, but the pro scouts. They've done a really good job at finding talent. Uh, I thought that their performance in free agency last year was um, superb. I mean, to go out and find some of these diamonds in the rough, I mean, they, they can come in and just be solid for you. And, you know, a guy like Kevin Johnson, who your starter goes down and you plug him in for, for a playoff game, and he performs admirably. John Feliciano, who becomes like a dependable piece, and also a guy that, along with Mitch Morris, really shaped the foundation and the, the psyche of that offensive line and the rebirth of that offensive line, where they finally found a bit of a nasty identity. And that was led by Feliciano. Wants to be a fan. It's funny. He, he's a big UFC guy. He, he, he tells his wife all the time he wants to be a fighter after he retires. I mean, he brings that kind of mentality to the offensive line. And that was a find that was so key. You know, it, it was one that nobody talked about when free agency happened. And I put out that 50 free agent story and it's like, there's probably going to be two or three guys that are the keys to this off season that weren't even on that list because, you know, that, I'm not a scout. I'm not in there like talking to coaches, figuring out who's going to be a, the right fit for the room. And that's what they do a really good job at. Uh, they've done it in the draft all three years. There's there's at least three guys that you could sit there and say, wow, they had three guys that are uh, an important part of this team. And there's other guys that they've drafted that Bean has drafted since he's been here that I don't even think we've seen scratch the surface of their potential. I think Saran Neal is going to be a real real contributor for this team next year, not only in special teams but what he can do as a cornerback. I know they love Taron Johnson, uh, but I think Saran Neal is a guy that he could be. That could be a real interesting position battle in, in camp next year. I really like his mentality. I did a story on him late in the season, and he's and, I, and he's very quiet in the locker room. Like all, for his whole two seasons, almost, I never hit, heard him say a word to anybody. He just goes about his business. Uh, and when I finally talked to him at the end of last season, he was like, "Listen, I put my head down. The, my rookie season kind of was like a storm. I I, I came from a, a small school, Jacksonville State, and." Uh, I didn't really know what it took to succeed at the NFL level. And uh, when I came here, I thought I was going to be the man and, and, it, and it just didn't happen for me. And it took an off season and a commitment to the little things and, you know, learning from guys like Lorenzo Alexander and Micah Hyde uh, and, and really buying into the team mentality and, and excelling where the opportunities were presented to him for him to really shine. And then, over the course of the season, he really did shine. I mean, he had a big sack in the playoff game that I feel like nobody really talks about because of the, you know, you don't want to focus on the little positives after a heartbreaking loss like that. But there's so many little pieces that they put in place that I think that, you know, there's there's real potential here for this thing to, to take off. Now, there could be all the potential in the world and all of this great stuff that I've been saying for the last 40 minutes could be 
the case and, you know, could help them become a Super Bowl contender. But now it's about the work. You, you saw Kyle Shanahan in, in the Super Bowl, you know, uh, this year's coach darling absolutely bungle things with the way that, you know, he coached that game. And, you know, it could happen to really, really good coaches. Last year against Bill Belichick, uh, Sean McVay got, you know, uh, humbled. And, and so, you know, Sean McDermott's still a young coach in this league. Brian Dable, uh, you know, has only been an offensive coordinator now for, in the NFL, I think five combined seasons. If you take his other stops, uh, you know, combined four maybe. So, you know, it, they're, we don't know what the future holds, but they're building it the right way. There's potential and excitement. And especially right now for, for Buffalo sports fans with how bad things are going with the Sabres, that's an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now let's switch gears to 2020 free agency. You mentioned some of the free agents out there on the board. Um, after watching the Bills closely in the entire 2019 season, what positions do you think are the greatest needs for the Bills in free agency and the draft? Um, yeah, so I think that for me, it's wide receiver is one, um, edge rusher is two, um, and offensive line is three. And I'm and I'm not going to really specify because they have so many pieces that can move around. I really think they just need a really a, a marquee piece if it's available. And I don't know if that's going to be in the draft. I, I it might be in free agency, but a guy that can come in on the offensive line, like I said, and be a top-tier player in his position. I think that Mitch Morris proved to be that in 2019. I think Deion Dawkins is close. Uh, after those two guys, I thought Quentin Spain was really, really good, and um, I don't know if I'd necessarily put him in that tier. Uh, and, and it's funny because the Quentin Spain piece of all of this is going to be, I mean, that's the first chip to fall. When we figure out where he goes, that's going to tell us a lot about what the Bills think about their offensive line. And so if they re-sign him, I think that they're really settling in and, and, and believe in, you know, what they've built here and what they already have on the roster. If they don't sign Quentin Spain, then you have all types of possibilities um, in, in free agency in the draft and in, in mobility for Cody Ford potentially. Um, so we'll see. Um, but those are my three top needs. I think wide receiver, you know, I, I, this isn't going to be a very popular opinion, but I think that you need to find whoever you think is the elite wide receiver in this draft. And I know that there's a ton of them and I know it's a deep draft. And I understand that sometimes receivers, um, you know, it's a, it's a tricky business, you know, scouting these, these receivers last year, um, Nikhil Harry was the first off the board and, the other two guys from Ole Miss completely outplayed him uh, last season. But however they have to do it, whether it be giving up draft capital or you know finding the right spot in the draft or maybe going out in free agency, uh, I saw an article today from NFL.com that tabbed the Bills as a potential landing spot for Amari Cooper if he hits free agency. They need a number one wide receiver. They need an elite wide receiver. What that looks like can be anything. Tyreek Hill is not a traditional number one wide receiver, but you see what the impact he has on that offense. A guy like LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, maybe that's the guy that you tab because of the way that uh, Brian Dable runs his offense. I think Isaiah McKenzie, that role could potentially be filled by a a number one quote unquote wide receiver, Uh, a Tyreek Hill type that can take the ball on on, uh, end arounds, can uh, do a lot of work short off the line of scrimmage, can also run routes down the field. 
that seems like a guy that really could pop in that spot. And, but you have to find it. You have to do your, you have to do your work in the scouting part of things and, and, and find who that is. I don't know who that is yet. I, I've looked at a lot of stuff. I like the idea of AJ uh, Green uh, on an affordable contract because you've seen results. You've seen production. If he can possibly find that again, especially in this offense with um, you know the talent at the quarterback position and already at the receiver position, I think that's a pretty formidable squad of uh, you know AJ Green, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. And then maybe you add a a receiver in the second or third or fourth round uh, in this loaded class. Uh, and then edge rusher. I think that that's, you know, I, I think Jerry Hughes will be better next year playing healthy. It obviously came out after the season that he played the whole year with a broken wrist. Uh, I think that definitely impacts things. I mean, you, you use your hands pretty pretty regularly as a speed rusher, uh, you know, trying to slap the, the guy's hand out of the way. So I'm wondering if that really impacted him all year. Trent Murphy played really well down the stretch, but we don't know what's going to happen with Shaq Lawson. And, and even if they decide to bring back Shaq Lawson, I still think they need a real um, threat to attack the passer from the outside. I think that it will open things up for Ed Oliver a little bit more, help Jerry Hughes, and maybe that's the Lorenzo Alexander role. Maybe they go out and get one of these outside linebackers. Maybe they pay for Matthew Judon if he if the if Baltimore lets him go, or maybe Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh. I mean, those are big time names. That's going to cost big time dollars. But I think that we saw what edge what edge pressure can do. Uh, when you watch San Francisco 49ers, and they had a couple of them. Armstead is going to be a free agent. Maybe you look at him. Um, there's so many potential uh, you know, uh, positions where I think the Bills can upgrade their roster. Um, I, I hope that, you know, that, especially at receiver, that that's something that they can address because I think that that's what will take Josh Allen or at least set him up to go to the next level. Now, you did a really good breakdown of the top 50 free agents for the Buffalo Bills at NewYorkUpstate.com. It was a great article. You mentioned a lot of those guys at the top level, like A.J. Green, a wide receiver, Amari Cooper, a wide receiver. What are some potential? Because the Bills, every they usually seem to build their team in depth with these second and third tier guys. What are some second and third tier like wide receivers or defensive ends or running backs that you can see them taking a shot at that you would not be surprised if they brought in on a on a cheaper deal than what those really elite p- players at their position are, are gonna are gonna ask for um, on the market. Yeah, I think the running back target that I would put out there is Matt Breda uh, from San Francisco. I, I watched him a couple times this year um, and over the course of his career, and he's he's that speed guy that I think could really pair nicely with Josh uh, with uh, Devin Singletary. Uh, he's a he, uh, he's a runner that you know gets downhill. Uh, can break it outside, uh, catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He had a little bit of issues with fumbles, so that might be something that, you know, the Bills obviously, um, you know, Devin Singletary had a little bit of a, a struggle where he's fumbling the ball. that they, they don't want that, and I think that's a, a big reason why Frank Gore uh, got the run that he did is because they, they, the coaching staff knew they could rely on him to hang on to the football. Um, in terms of other free agents uh, at running back, um you know, Jordan Howard's out there. I think that that's interesting just because this is a guy that's had a thousand yard season. Um, had some real success in Chicago and they ran a similar offense with a similar quarterback in terms of Mitchell Trubisky uh, for that one year before he went to Philadelphia. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think that, um, you know, the Bills are going to spend crazy money. I still think they do like TJ Yeldon. Uh, he could be in the mix and, um, uh, 
we'll see if maybe they sp- they spend a, a day two or day three pick on another running back. There there might be some value there as well. Um, but in terms of speed backs at the running back position, I don't think that there's any that uh, I think another one out there is Chris Thompson from Washington. I think he's going to be a free agent. That that could be an interesting one as well. But he struggles to stay healthy. So I uh, I don't know if the Bills want to. But they've also shown that with this new facility, they're able to kind of get guys that have shown that inability to stay healthy and, and help them fix that part of the game. So that'll be interesting to see. So the Bills are hosting free agent tight end uh, Greg Olson this week for a potential signing. First off, would you be in favor of that signing for the Buffalo Bills? Without a doubt. Uh, I've been um, I've been very uh, bullish on that move because I like Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. They're the top two tight ends on the market. The problem is they're going to cost a ton of money and probably more than you want to pay for either guy just because the body of work isn't big enough to where you can guarantee you're going to get that production or that they're going to stay healthy. I mean, they both were injured this year. Uh, again, and Hunter Henry's been injured every year he's been in the league. I think with Greg Olson, you can bring in a guy that had 50 catches last year for 600 yards, and he doesn't drop the ball. I mean, that's a big knock on Dawson Knox. He had 10 drops last year on 50 targets. So if Greg Olson, if you can get him to come in here, he brings a lot of leadership, a lot of, uh, experience in this league, uh, bring him into that room. Maybe it'll allow you to move on from Lee Smith, who I think the penalties were troublesome last season. And um, I, I just think it adds a dynamic to that room and another reliable target uh, for Josh Allen. So if he does, in fact, sign with the Bills, Greg Olson, that is, does that mean the end of Tyler Croft and Buffalo, or do you think they might keep him on the roster as well? Yeah, I think that probably does because uh, you can move on from Tyler Croft with almost – you know, very little dead cap hit. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's kind of unfair, but it's an unfair business. I it, He just, it took him a while to get back on the field through the injuries. And then when he was on the field, you know, he had the one touchdown catch the one game and you feel good for a guy that fought his way back. But like I said, this is year four for this regime and they got to add talent. Dawson Knox, I think, showed enough to really probably give him the reins as tight end number one in 2020. Where does that leave Tyler Croft? They're kind of similar players in a lot of ways. And so I think that they need a guy that can be a pass catcher, that can um, be a more uh, consistent part of the offense. And I think that he's their backup plan. I, I think the fact that they're bringing in Greg, Greg Olson, I don't necessarily think that, that that tells you that they're ready to move on from Tyler Croft. Because I think that Sean McDermott said last year at the uh, owners' meetings, they, they, they had the, oh, the head coach uh, breakfast, and he said that Greg Olson was great in Carolina because on third and five, we knew we can go to him and we were expecting a, a first down, a real trustworthy um, target. But and I think that's why they're going after him because I know what they, they know what he brings. Uh, but I think Tyler Croft is he'll be in the mix if they're not able to make a move somewhere else. Okay, really appreciate you taking the time out, Matt. And I have to, I have the most important question for last. And it, will you be watching the XFL games this weekend? And who's your team? Mm. <laughs> um, I will probably check it out. Um, what are the, what are the cities? So there's uh, the New York team, which is really out of New Jersey, of course. There is a D.C. team. I think it's the D.C. Defenders. There's a Tampa Bay team, a Seattle team, a Los Angeles team, a Houston team. 
um, and a couple of others I can't think off the top of my head. <laughs> I well, think, I think DC is the closest one besides New Jersey. Gotcha. I'll definitely root for whoever uh, Tyree Jackson's playing for. UB alum. Um, you know, he he obviously was in Bill's training camp. Got a chance to talk to him a little bit, watch how he works, and you know, heard some of his teammates and how they talked about him. And so, anytime a UB guy gets uh, get, 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 can get some shine, I'm always uh, a fan of that. So I think I think he might be playing for DC. Yeah. I don't know which one he's. I believe playing. I believe you're right. The DC Defenders. Yep. So yeah, I'll probably be. Uh, I'll they'll probably be my squad. Gotcha. And if that the XFL you know, league ends up doing well, are you going to also cover the Bills and the DC Defenders or whoever else out th- is out there? Um, Probably not just because the Bills are just like, I mean, I've been amazed at how much people consume Bills content, like 365. Like, you know, it could be, you know, uh, a February, uh, very, you know, minimal, you know, news story. And, and Bills fans love it, man. So it's it's been the funnest part about my job and being back here is that so many people engage with the content that I put out and that everybody on the beat puts out. It's a really, really talented beat. Um, and community, all you guys that are doing this stuff. I mean, you know, you mentioned that you heard me on the Nick and Nolan show. Uh, I listened to a, a podcast or two of yours before I did the show. You know, there's, there's, just, there's just really smart, talented, um, you know, football people in this community. And you know, an online community and it's a joy to kind of be a part of that. And so, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun off season, a lot of money to be spent, uh, potentially, uh, maybe uh, more of it on, on their, on their own, uh, players than maybe Bill's fans are anticipating. But, um, I even saw an article out earlier, I can't remember if it was on Yahoo that they expect uh Tredavious White, I think it might've been ESPN, Tredavious White's extension to get done this off season. So there's a lot to look at a lot to, kind of see where how these pieces all play out uh where they're moved by the end of the off season. Well, definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you know, one of the best in the business. You and Ryan are always putting out some great content over at newyorkupstate.com. If just in case people aren't following you across all social media platforms, where can Bills fans find you? Well thank you for those those kind words. Ryan Talbot, my tag team partner at Ryan Talbot Bills. He is the man. He does uh, great work for us over there. Uh, I love uh, uh, being a part of that tag team. Um, I'm at Matt Perino on Twitter. That's my most active uh, spot. And then you can find me uh, at the same handle on Instagram and then I'm also on Facebook. Uh, search Bill's coverage in my name and that'll find that you'll find it. But our Instagram page is fun uh, at Buffalo Bills NY up. Definitely give that a follow because we do a lot of, um, you know, impromptu Instagram lives. Like I do stuff with Nate Geary all the time. Uh, we're going to have Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN on. Um, Ryan and I go live on there quite a bit. And we even do some fan stuff. Uh, so, you know, pay attention to that. Uh, we're going to be light, uh, lighting that thing up over the course of the off season and as we move up to the draft and free agency. So, yeah, it's uh, awesome. I'm, my DMs are open on everything. Um, if you need to find my email, it's at the website. Uh, hit me up. I, I love hearing from fans. Okay, great. Well, appreciate you taking so much time to discuss the Bills offseason, 2019 season, the Super Bowl with us. And uh, it's good to finally talk to you in person, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Just want to give a quick plug to our T Public store. So if you're looking for some Bills gear that you can't find anywhere else on the internet in the form of a t-shirt or a hoodie or a long sleeve shirt or a sweater or 
whatever you want, a mug, a coffee mug, or what do you what do you want? Do you want, you know, it on some wall art? Well, we got that. And just go to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod and we have a ton of all of our famous designs such as you may have seen the josh allen hurdling the haters t-shirt which our good friend insta underscore jape on instagram tweeted out this last week which is really cool appreciate you looking good man looking good in that josh allen hurdling the haters t-shirt man and uh, you can get it you can get all these shirts in all colors all sizes and there's just a ton of cool stuff on there. So check that out. There's a Sean McDermott Trust the Process. Don't know if I mentioned that. Our Circling the Wagons podcast logo along with some cool Circle the Wagons logos as well. And we're working on a bunch of different designs as well to go with this store. So the, here's just some – it's just a cool place to find – Public in general is a cool place to find a lot of – uh, shirts from independent artists and contributors. So we're one of them and it's just, it's, it's a really cool place. So if you're interested at all, if you're looking for a birthday present or a Valentine's gift, uh, for some family, friends, loved ones, whatever the case may be, check out tpublic.com slash stores slash CTW pod. And I want to take this time again to thank Matt Prino from NewYorkUpstate.com. The guy gave an amazing interview, did all the heavy lifting for us this week on the podcast, and uh, just a stand-up guy. Like like you would expect a lot of the Bills Beat reporters to be, he is no different. I'm glad I finally got a chance to talk to him. Look forward to talking to him again. He has a lot of great insight. And yeah, so we have a lot more uh, interviews planned in the future to talk uh, free agency, the draft, and all that cool stuff. So I'll be checking in with them soon. So stay tuned. Stay subscribed. Leave an Apple Apple podcast review. If you can, we're going to do another giveaway next week for a Donovan McNabb signed jersey. Congratulations to Darren that won our Bruce Smith signed Autograph football and congratulations to Ryan for winning the Donovan McNabb uh, football signed autograph football and those all of those amazing items are from our good friends at the Del Lago Casino and Resort for donating them to this to give away as to give away as giveaways for the podcast so thanks to them for putting those up so signing off for me Nate thanks for listening go Bills and we'll talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.